This is the Ron Langway Fan Club 2018 Midseason Report with your host, Mark Chiknita. You're ready for it? I don't think you're ready for it, but you're going to be ready for it because you have to be ready for it. John Snowden. I'm just going to record you, so just let me have a little diddle. Yeah, I mean, this is just all really shocking stuff here. And Jeff Rolleman. And we'll highlight the teams and their swimmers, sinkers. Ah, f- Testing, testing, one, two, three. Rod Langway, happy birthday. Rod Langway, 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 Rod Langway. And welcome everybody to the Rod Langway Fan Club Podcast. I am your host, Jeff Rollman, along with my co-host, John Snowden. Hey, And Mark Chechnita. Gotcha, how? As always, we're coming at you from Taipei, Taiwan. We always break it down at the quarter marks. We give you the biggest stories in hockey, along with some great music. Yeah, and we got some funny segments to top things off as well. Yeah, comedy subjective. Speaking of funny segments, where are we right now? Yeah, usually we're coming at you from our Taipei City studio overlooking the beautiful Hoping Riverside Park. But today we had to find somewhere else. Um, the studio is being fumigated. Had a little problem with some termites. Uh, so apologies for that. But I think this place will work out just fine, don't you? I don't know. It seems a little bit seedy to me. I don't know if I'd say seedy. It's a little gaudy, perhaps. Um, it's a love hotel. They charge by the hour. So it seemed to suit our purposes pretty well. Well, there are some suspicious stains on those drapes over there, but look at that lovely bust in the corner. Yes, the Rod Langway bust made it over here. The bronze bust did make it, and it seems to suit this place pretty well, doesn't it? It blends in well with the mirrored ceilings and that uh, chandelier over there. It adds a little class to the joint, I think. Yeah, it sure does. So what's on the agenda, guys? We've got a brand new segment we call Sabotage. We're going to take a look at a few floundering franchises and examine why they failed and where they're going to go from here. And then we're going to cast an eye to the future. That's right, the year 2000. What will hockey look like in 100 years? And as always, we've got our favorite segment, the mailbag. Um, We're taking your emails. We're taking your tweets. You can ask us anything you like. Uh, Remember, you can email us at rodlangwayfanclub at gmail.com or you could tweet us at rodlangwayfanclub. And don't forget the Rod Langway Fan Club. Uh, you can find us on Stitcher. You can find us on iTunes. You can find us on TuneIn Radio. You can find us on Podcast Addict. Wow, we're really moving up. We're, we're all over the place these well, days. Maybe oh. maybe moving around. I don't know about up. <laughs> <laughs> but before we do any of this, we're going to hand out some mustaches for the best individual performances at the midseason. Yeah, I was referring to the mustache, the old soup strainer. An awfully big mustache. How much has that hair seen in the months that it's been on my face? This is what a real mustache looks like. Now, the NHL has seen its share of fantastic mustaches over the years. I'm thinking from Lanny McDonald to clear the track, Eddie Shack. Well, one of my earliest hockey memories is actually watching a Vancouver Canucks game. And not only did they have those beautiful jerseys in the 80s, that sunken V, but uh, the majestic mustache of one Harold Schnapps really oh, caught my attention. Yeah. Yeah, I thought, you know what? This is the game for me. Sure. And let's not forget the man himself, Rod Langway. I think he had the best soup strainer around. 
And in that vein, we are going to hand out some mustaches today to recognize some individual achievements this season at the midpoint. Yeah, not the best segue, considering most of these guys probably can't even grow a mustache yet, but we're going to look at some of the best rookies to kick it off. So who are we starting with there, Jeff? Well, I would like to throw um, Matt Barzell out there, um, the Coquitlam, BC native who played for the Seattle Thunderbirds. Um, He's had an excellent rookie season and really given the Islanders some uh, scoring depth. Yeah, he's nearly a point a game, and I think that's been a real boon for their team, so Tavares doesn't have to do all the heavy lifting himself. Yeah, and and being a centerman, I think uh, it's a lot of responsibility for a young player, and he's really stepped up. Yeah, you look around the league, and a lot of these young players, they have to start on the wing because they can't handle the responsibilities, but Barzell looks like he's fit for the job. Absolutely. Now, my preseason pick was uh, Clayton Keller, who should definitely be in the running, but um, Mark, your preseason pick has also panned out very well. Charlie McAvoy. Yeah, and I'm going to stick with Charlie McAvoy. Uh, his numbers have been good, maybe not amazing, but I think the real number that matters is the amount of ice time that he's logging. He's actually second on the team, just a shade behind Zdeno Chara, and he's got to be one of the top reasons why Boston's been surging in the standings, and they're now sitting second in the Atlantic, and they're looking like a sure bet for the playoffs at this point. Yeah, it's amazing to see the contributions that uh, Boston's got from their rookie class this year. Yeah, McAvoy probably being prime among them. While we're on the topic of rookie defensemen, I uh, should mention Will Butcher and Mikhail Sergachev, who actually have more points than McAvoy. Now, I wouldn't rank them quite as highly just because, uh, well, in Sergachev's case, he's on a stacked team. And with Butcher, he's more of a one-dimensional offensive defenseman. I think McAvoy is more of an all-around guy. Uh, so I think if I had to choose one, having the biggest impact on his team, it's going to be Charlie McAvoy. Now, John, I think you uh, you spotted something in the water. What is that in the water? Yeah, it's the Brock Bess monster. Brock Besser of the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, he's the top goal scorer in the NHL among rookies at the moment. And uh, started off the year really good. Didn't even make the opening roster, but as soon as he came in there, he found great chemistry with Bo Horvat on the top line. And uh, Bo Horvat went down with an injury, and a lot of people thought, oh, that's it for Besser. But he's continued on and kind of rejuvenated the twins, the Sedin twins there. And uh, continues to just uh, be lighting the lamp every chance he gets, it seems. Yeah, what a shot. What a release on that guy. Yeah, Yeah, there aren't many Besser right now in the league. Yeah, is there anyone Besser? I guess we'll see. And the mustache goes to... Brock Besser! So what's up next? Next, we're going to hand out the mustache to the top goaltender thus far. Didn't you play goaltender back in the day, Jeff? I did play goaltender, or at least I impersonated one. You were a slightly more mobile tutor shooter, is what I heard. <laughs> Goalie of the year. Must have been a pretty uh, thin crop that year. John, who's uh, caught your eye so far? Well, being a Jets fan, I think Connor Hellebuck is the one I've watched most. And uh, what an improvement over last year. Night and day, really. He did some off-season training out west. And a lot of people think that's really helped him turn his game around. He's been a lot more positionally sound in net and really been a difference maker for the Winnipeg Jets. And maybe that's why they're at the top of their division. Yeah, no question he's been great so far this year. I'm going to say Jonathan Quick from the LA Kings. Sure. Um, What a turnaround from last season. And Quick has been a big part of the success in LA. I love to watch him play. He's so flexible. He moves so fast. Yeah, tracks the puck really well too. Yeah, he's. uh, I think the best word might be quick. Mm. And Mark, what about you? Well, allow me to play the role of Captain Obvious. I'm going to go with the goaltender from the best team in the league, and that's Andre Vasilevsky. Now, some might argue that the only reason he's doing so well is because of this powerhouse team he's got in front of him. I'm actually going to argue the opposite, and that's the fact that this year they've had steady goaltending, something that they didn't have last year. 
And that's a big reason for their success. He's been a rock back there, and he's playing a lot of minutes for them. The backup goaltender they have this year, Peter Budai, is not really one of the top ones in the league. So if you look at his ratios, too, they're excellent. He's around 930 on save percentage and just a shade above two for the goals against average. So you got to consider him to be one of the top goalies in the league. Yeah. And the mustache goes to... Andre Vasilevsky. All right. So what's the next award? Uh, next is the mustache for best defenseman of the midseason. Can't bungle this one, guys. Okay, this is Rod's position. Now, he was a legendary defenseman, won the Norris twice in addition to having that outstanding mustache. So, John, where would you like to begin? Well, I mean, I'm going to begin with a guy who last year maybe had a bit of a subpar season, but this year seems to be back to form, and that's John Klingberg from the Dallas Stars. I mean, he's the top scorer among defensemen, um, offensively always a threat, and just such a smooth skater. I don't think you can overlook him. Yeah, they're fighting right now for the wild card spot, and he is money on the power play with Sagan and Ben. Yeah. Yeah, we talk about all the new age of these puck-moving defensemen, and he's that prototypical puck-moving defenseman. He fits in perfectly on that run-and-gun team in Dallas. Yeah. Um, my candidate, I'm going to stay in la-la land here uh, after just talking about the Kings, um, a very regal man, Drew Doughty from London, Ontario. Um, I'm going to say he's the best defenseman. He leads all players in average ice time, and I think he's been a huge part of the Kings' turnaround this season. Yeah, look at his plus-minus. I mean, he's obviously uh, a benefit every time he's on the ice. Whenever you watch a Kings game, you just wonder, like, does this guy ever come off the ice? It seems like he's always out there. And Mark, what about you? Um, Who's in your head? Well, speaking of heads, head man, Victor Hedman. Um, I know... I'm a big Tampa Bay Lightning guy, and it's probably an obvious call for me, but he could have won the Norris last year had it not been for Eric Carlson and Brent Burns just tearing the league apart. And he's picked up right where he left off last season, leading the Tampa Bay Lightning to first in the league, um, scoring points, logging huge minutes, and he's just that leader on the back end on a pretty young defense core in Tampa Bay. Yeah, he's unfortunately just suffered a bit of a setback. Yeah, he got hurt. Hopefully he'll be back soon. It looks like three to six weeks, but I expect him to come back and get right back on track. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how Tampa Bay does losing their best defenseman, arguably their most important player. Yeah, it will be interesting to see. And the mustache goes to... Drew Doughty. All right, moving on from D... Let's hand out the mustache for MVP. Well, hang on a second. What if we did something uh, just for fun? You're going to okay. shave each other's backs? <laughs> no, no, I didn't. No, that's not what I had oh. in mind. Um, I thought we could do a little peach fuzz to Fu Manchu kind of stash what thing. What do you mean? Uh, you know, who surprised us, who's, who's come out of nowhere. Oh, okay. Yeah, a few candidates for that this yeah. year. Yeah, it's been a surprising um, year. I'm going to go with the Islanders, Josh Bailey. Sure. Wow, that's incredible. It's pretty rare to find a guy that blossoms a little bit later in his career. But Josh Bailey, I mean, at one point he was up to third in NHL scoring. Now he's injured right now, but uh, he's had a great year so far. Yeah, very surprising there. It is, but, you know, you end up on uh, John Tavares' wing and anything can happen. Look at Anders Lee. He's got like 27 goals so far. Sure. I'm, I'm going to go with the guy uh, that was a cast-off of the Columbus Blue Jackets. He was left unprotected in the expansion draft, and that's Wild Bill, William Carlson. Mm. 15 combined goals in his last two full NHL seasons. He's got 22 already at the midpoint. Nobody saw that coming. Yeah, one of the top lines in uh, hockey and one of the big re- biggest reasons for success in Las Vegas. Yeah, for sure. 
Um, I'm going to go with Braden Chen. I think he surprised a lot of people. A lot of people thought he would do well um, playing with Vladimir Tarasenko in St. Louis. But uh, he's been bumped up and down the lineup and seems to be producing wherever he's playing. And so a uh, big surprise, I would say. Yeah, kudos to St. Louis's management for identifying a guy who was on a team that had a lot of centermen and they just targeted him and got him at a really reasonable price. Yeah. All right, and the Fu Manchu goes to... Wilhelm Carlsen. Wild Bill. And next up, we have the biggest mustache of them all, the race for the MVP. And, you know, as we were discussing the candidates, we just couldn't get over the list. It's a long list this season. Yeah, lots of names to talk about here. Um, Who do we want to start with? I'm going to say Nikita Kucherov from the league-leading Tampa Bay Lightning. I mean, this guy's leading the league in scoring. To me, it seems like a pretty obvious choice to start with him. Yeah, top scorer, sure. Sure, top scorer, top team. But if you look at the Tampa Bay Lightning and you ask what's different compared to last year, I think the biggest difference is a healthy Steven Stamkos. He's the centerman on that line, and I think he's the straw that stirs the drink in Tampa Bay. So I'd give it to Steven Stamkos. Yeah, but I mean, that team has so much depth. Um, you could just take your pick. I mean, Vasilevsky's there, Hedman's there. Um, they got that forward group. They got a great second line. I think you got to kind of look at one of the teams that, that's been struggling and that uh, recently has had a big surge, and that's the Colorado Avalanche. Look at Nathan McKinnon's yeah, contribution there. Wow. He's, he's right up there in the top of uh, the league scoring. Where would they be without him? We're talking about most valuable player. Um, and they could make the playoffs. I mean, a lot of people had them at the bottom of the league. Um, so I think you got to throw him into the conversation for sure. Yeah, McKinnon's been excellent so far this year. I'm going to go with John Tavares. I mean, where would the Islanders be without John Tavares? He's been their Mr. Everything. Sure. Uh, I want to take a bit of a different path. Uh, I want to go with Blake Wheeler. Mm. Now, when you think about the Winnipeg Jets, you think about Mark Shifley, Patrick Laine. Those are the two names that pop up. But the captain, Blake Wheeler, has really been a glue guy for that team. He does everything. He kills penalties. He's taking draws now. He's playing center now that Shifley is hurt. He's their heart and soul guy, I think. And they've been one of the best teams in the league. So I think he's got to be in the conversation. Yeah, I would throw out there Alexander Ovechkin. You look at some of the the people that uh, the Washington Capitals lost in the offseason, and uh, they're still right there at the top. Sure, Ovi is always a great uh, regular season performer. We'll see if hopefully he can drag that into the playoffs this year. Yeah, yeah, it's a shame we couldn't include a coach in this conversation. Gerard Gallant of second place Las Vegas Golden Knights. I mean, he's been incredibly valuable for their team. Without a clear superstar, um, he's certainly a big piece in that. Sure, John, it's a feel-good story, but we're talking MVP here. Uh, We're talking players. Yeah, I know, but uh, they don't seem to have anyone. One more thing we have to mention, and that's arguably the best player in the world, Connor McDavid. Now, if you want to define what the MVP is, it's most valuable player to their team. And imagine that horrible tire fire in Edmonton without Connor McDavid. It would be even more awful. Yeah, and speaking of perennial MVP contenders, uh, it's interesting to note that Crosby isn't really even in the conversation yet. But he's been on a bit of a hot streak of late, so we'll see how it plays out through the second half of the season here. Yeah, I'd watch for the Penguins in the second half. I can't imagine them staying this bad for much longer. Yeah, Yeah. so we'll see what happens. All right, so the mustache goes to... Okay, guys, I don't think we really came to a consensus there. 
Well, we still have half a season to go. I think that will provide some clarity. Yeah, lots yeah. of hockey left to play. Yeah, we'll check back in at the end. All right, John, fire up the tunes. boys that was sabotage and speaking of sabotage we're going to take a look at a few teams who've made a series of poor choices that have sabotaged their beginning of the season and maybe beyond there is a long list of candidates and uh, who's at the top i don't think we need to look any further than the edmonton oilers this was a team that finished the season on fire and a lot of people picked to you know win the conference and some people even picked to win the stanley cup it has not at all gone as planned in edmonton not at all yeah, and I think we can trace a lot of their failure this season to bad management decisions as far as their roster goes. If you look at the roster, it is one that should be built around speed with Connor McDavid as the centerpiece. But um, having three power forwards with Patrick Maroon, Zach Cassian, and Milan Lucic may not be the best decision. That Lucic contract is going to be a real problem in the years moving forward as they try to fill out a competitive NHL roster, paying that guy $7 million a year for the next what, five, six years? Yeah, so the Oilers do need some help on the wing. I can think of a couple guys that might uh, benefit, some guys with some speed. Uh, one would be Jordan Eberle and uh, Taylor Hall, both guys mm. they lost. Yeah, it's not so much that they traded those guys, but it's the returns that they got for them. I think both in both cases, they kind of rushed to it and uh, settled for probably less than they could have gotten. Yeah, there's no doubt that they needed another D-man. Getting Larson for Hall, it's not looking so good this year. Well, you look at the the model trade from a few years ago that you would want to make, something like a Seth Jones for Ryan Johansson swap. Now, that's worked out really well for both of those squads, and I think that's probably something the Oilers should have been aiming for. I I think Larson was just not the player to target. Yeah, it's been tough with them, with um, Sakara being out for so long and Clefbaum not playing so well. Yeah, and we also need to look at their goaltending, I think. Um, They put a lot on Cam Talbot's shoulders this season. A lot of people expected him to really be that number one, and uh, he hasn't been. And they really don't have a solid backup to uh, replace him when he's going through some rough stretches. So that would be a helpful addition, too, and it's something that they failed to procure yeah, even the great goalies have bad stretches. You look around the league and Carey Price has had a bad stretch. Bobrovsky is, you know, kind of an up and down guy. Um, so I think the teams that really excel are the ones that have those dependable backups to come in and maybe take a little pressure off the starter. Yeah, Brossois hasn't done it. Uh, we'll see if Montoya is an improvement. Well, another team that shot themselves in the foot, Mark, is your beloved Montreal Canadiens. Oh, man, yeah, what a mess that is. Uh, There's a trail of blood down St. Catharines right now, and that is the bloody stump of Mark Bergevin as he drags himself forward as the fans shout for his head. And it all goes back to the P.K. Subban trade. I know I've harped on this in previous shows, but really that was a defining move for this franchise and for Mark Bergevin and his legacy. And he decided to trade one of the best puck-moving defensemen in the league for the slower, older 
plotting Shea Weber. And now Shea Weber's a great player, but his best years are behind him. And Subban is the prototypical puck moving defenseman that you need. This year, they don't have that guy. This year, they had to bring a guy in, Victor Mete, 19 years old, not ready for the big show, but they had no one to escape the puck out of the zone. So this is what they end up with. They let Andre Markov walk after a really awkward standoff. No one thought this would happen. Yeah, I was disappointed to see him leave the team. Everyone was. I mean, this should have been the year that he played his thousandth game as a Montreal Canadian. Instead, we're short on the back end. Max Pacioretty, chosen as captain. Very good goal scorer, not captain material. Reminds me a bit of Kessel in Toronto years ago. He just can't handle the pressure of being in the limelight. Mm-hmm. Another big move this offseason, Jonathan Drouin acquired for Mikhail Sergachev. Yes. The French-Canadian star comes home. What do they do? They ram him into the center position. Not the position he was drafted to play. He hasn't played center until this year in the NHL. They set him up for failure. He's been horrible this year. Not really his fault. More of a managerial mistake. Yeah, he's a good player. I just don't think he was kind of shoehorned into that role. I don't think that was fair for him. Plan A, plan B, whatever it was, it fell through and they kind of just made it up as they went along. And that's the problem with this management team is they just kind of make it up as they go along. It feels like they don't have a good backup plan when plan A falls through. Yeah, and it's been tough. I mean, Carey Price just hasn't been himself either. Well, you know, he had a really rough start to the year and then he was injured for a while. He's He's been better of late, but the team in front of him just isn't up to the caliber that it should be because of these choices that have been made. Okay, so Jeff, you got any teams that woke up midseason regretting what they did last night? Well, there's always a few candidates that are out there, but I'm going to say the Florida Panthers. Oh, yeah. I really feel like there was a time um, not that long ago where this was a team on the up and up. They won the Atlantic a few years ago. Yeah, they were looking great. You know, they had that nice combo of uh, Barkoff and Huberdeau and Yager as their first line. And then um, the owner, uh, Mr. Viola, started getting involved. And you see the they got rid of their coach. Before, of course, Gerard Gallant had to take the Uber ride home. And then there was a power struggle. Dale Talon's role was changed. Then it was changed back. Now, I know they've tried to rectify these things, but I feel like they still have a ways to go. The Erica Branson trade was a real head-scratcher, too. You trade a top-four NHL D-man for this middling forward prospect. Yeah, and we have to mention Jonathan Marchessault. He was a 30-goal scorer last year for the Florida Panthers. And for some reason, they left him exposed in the expansion draft. And, of course, Vegas plucked him up, and uh, he's having continued success there this season. And another guy that Vegas picked up was Riley Smith. Yeah, and I mean, they also have uh, the former coach, Gerard Gallant, who is the frontrunner for the Jack Adams best coach this year. Um, so it seems like one man's trash is another man's treasure. Yeah, Panthers, you can't just throw away depth like that. You know, the team has still has the top-end players like Barkov and Huberto, but you have no second and third liners. You're not going to be competitive in this kind of a league. I'm sure they're hoping that Ekblad will be the defenseman they, they want him to be. Yeah, but things just seem to have taken a few steps back over the last couple of years in Florida, which is unfortunate for them, but yeah, certainly sabotaged. All right, enough with the past and the present. Let's cast an eye to the future. In the year 2525, if man is still alive, if woman can survive, they may find. In the year need to tell the truth, tell no lies. Everything you think, do, and say is in the pill you took today. In the year 
Everybody's gonna look at you In the year 55, 55 Your arms are hanging limp at your... And we're back. Listen, guys, the NHL is celebrating its 100th anniversary. Uh, there's been lots of festivities. Got me thinking, what do you guys think is in store for hockey in the next 100 years? Oh, man, that's that's crazy. I mean, just think about what's already happened in the first 100 years and the massive changes. Yeah, we've seen so many changes. Yeah, changes with equipment. Um, that's obviously advanced quite a lot. Um, changes in just positions, I, I think, especially the goaltending position, if you look at how much they've improved. Sure, um, we're in full body armor now. Yeah, sure. And also the way people view the game. I mean, before you would just get your home team. Um, now you have all kinds of packages with uh, all kinds of crazy camera angles. They have the ref cam these days. That's a pretty big advancement. Absolutely. Well, I could totally see, you know, in the next hundred years where the, the viewer could choose any camera angle they want from any player at any time. Oh, right. You mean every player will have, a, like, a camera attached to their helmet or something? Yes. Yeah, right. that way no two viewing experiences will ever be the same. It's just unique to each user. Yeah, choose your own angle. Yeah, they could even have a, a camera in the puck, I bet. That'd well, be pretty crazy. That would be wild. Yeah. Sure, it'd be an expensive thing to develop, but I think it would more than pay for itself down the road. Yeah, that'd be a crazy future. Yeah, now when I think about the future of hockey, I certainly think about uh, aging and how we're going to be able to reverse it. I think people are going to be living well into their hundreds and perhaps even beyond in 100 years' time. And so for hockey, I think that means that, you know, the players are going to be at, at least 50 years old and possibly quite, quite a lot older than that. There'll be no advantage of being young anymore. It'll sure. be all experience because uh, people will be so strong and healthy so late in their life. So it's going to change the game drastically, I think. Yeah, you'll have these, these, you know, the hot new rookie sensation at the tender age of 47 years old. Yeah. Yeah, to think that uh, Yammer Jagger and Gordy Howe would be young whippersnappers. That's right. This, uh, rookie punks. Now, part of the learning curve for these players and the reason why experience would be so important, I think, is because of the actual game and how it will be played. So I'm thinking it'll be kind of like those old hockey games used to play with the metal rods in them. Oh where, yeah, So sure. there'll be, the, the rink will be completely contained and you'll be able to skate up the sides and the boards will just keep oh. going forever and the puck will never be out of play. Oh, they'll be on like hover skates or rocket skates or yeah, something Yeah, I'm thinking, like I'm thinking rocket skates, uh, maybe even a floating puck. Okay. And some, yeah. The surface, of course, will have to be much larger too. It'll become a more tactical game. I, I could kind of see that, but I think hockey purists will have a problem. I could see that maybe in overtime, you know, they just have an overtime period where the boards come up and enclose the entire rink, and then they play that way. I don't well, that think might be I... how it first gets introduced. Right. And then, yeah, it might branch off from there. Who knows? Well, if you guys are thinking that, man, I'm talking about AI, artificial intelligence, man. This is the future of hockey, I think. No. Yeah, and, and bionic players. Okay. It's going to be incredible. Like cyber, cyber players, cybernetic players? Yes. I don't doubt yes. its feasibility, but will people not prefer the human version and maybe not connect as much with the players because they're robots. Well, maybe then maybe the people will take control of the, the players. They'll be able to control them. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's quite a future. You know, guys, when I think about the future, the main thing that I think about is resource scarcity. And I think that will definitely also impact professional sports that are happening at this time. And I think the ability for your team to remain hydrated will be a, a massive advantage. And I think the, the, the cities that have the, the best access to water, whether it's nearby or the ability to uh, import it for their teams, will, will have distinct competitive advantages. Well, hey, Toronto's looking good then. 
all of Canada, I'd say. I mean, we, we'll, we'll still Canada and Russia. I mean, I think we'll still be at the top of the game. Sure. Um, for different reasons, of course. I mean, it'll be about hydrating your players and making sure that they're not, uh, you know, getting heat exhaustion out there on the ice. Can't imagine that uh, some of the teams in the desert, for example, uh, the, the Arizona franchise would uh, have. No have a chance. Yeah, that's a pretty interesting point there, Mark. I'd like to get back to what you were talking about there, Jeff, about having cybernetic implants and being controlled by AI. I totally agree with you, but I think that the control is not actually coming from AI. I think that we're going to have these implants in our brain, and some of them are going to be working through the microbiome in your stomach, but not controlled by AI. It's going to be controlled by the aliens that live on the dark side of the moon in the base there, and uh, hockey players will be controlled by these aliens um, and then there's a whole colony of them there and they're basically going to be using us to play their hockey games so they'll be betting on players and they can like sort of outbid each other to control say Sidney Crosby on an, any given night and this is the way hockey it's going to be controlled by aliens under this sort of betting game system that they're going to be playing and uh, really it's not going to have anything to do with the players skills themselves so these aliens are um, from another uh, another galaxy. Another no, universe. no, no, no. Let's not get to no. They're they're from the solar system, probably. I think they're from Io or somewhere like that. They've been living here forever. Okay. And NASA's been covering it up. This sure. Past. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Hold on here, guys. I think the conspiracy stories was last episode. No. You are correct, sir. Well, yeah, but you never know what the future will hold. All right, boys. We've explored the past. We traveled to the future. Let's get back to the present. But first. Word from our sponsor. Nothing is more valuable than you and your family security. Here at Elder Sibling Systems, your security is our business. We've got the best home security systems. We've got a team of security enforcement agents ready to respond anytime, anyplace. We've got a network of security and information technicians that know you inside and out. We've got your phone number. We've got your address. We've got your work history, social media history, and browser history. We know the route you took to work this morning. We know what you did in Vegas and why you had to burn those pants. We are watching you right now. So give us a call. The number's on your screen. Just hit dial. Don't delay. We've got your best interests at heart. We've also got your pet. <laughs> We are back. Thank you so much to our sponsor, Elder Sibling Security. Yeah, I thought we were going with Plowman's Choice. Aren't they still sponsoring the Rod Langway Fan Club podcast? I do love Plowman's Choice, but unfortunately, guys, we had no choice. Ooh. We or you? Well, let's just say that they made me an offer I couldn't refuse. Yeah, well, cell phone security, not really a strength of Jeff Rollman's now, is it? Speaking of Jeff Rollman, this is his favorite part of the show. Um, this is where you can send him your emails, your tweets. You can ask him anything you want. Let's ask the commish. Sorry, sorry, what was the question? I would totally veto that. What kind of league are we running here anyways? I'll have to consult the rule book on that one. Remember the trade guidelines. Can we get some friendly questions here? You guys have gotta dress your players. Gotta dress your players. Gotta dress your players. Gotta dress your players.
So we've been taking your emails, we've been taking your tweets. If you want to get something in last minute, you can email us at rodlangwayfanclub at gmail.com or you can send us a tweet at rodlangwayfanclub. All right, so what do we got on tap? It's with a heavy heart that I read this first email. It's um, from a longtime friend of the show. You guys probably know who I'm talking about. Who's that? The man whose name starts with the letter L and ends with no. E-Roy. No. Leroy. Oh, Leroy. Vegas okay. Leroy. Yeah, I remember his last letter. Yeah, so he says, hey guys, Leroy here again. What happened? You had me convinced Vegas wasn't going to make the playoffs, so I hedged my bet, pawned my wedding ring, and bet on the Hawks to rise up and make a run. You screwed me. I'm finished. You just lost yourselves a listener. Oh, dear. Hmm. Sorry, Leroy. I mean, what can we say? Who would have thunk it? The Las Vegas Golden Knights are just incredible. Vegas Golden Knights, no loss. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah not many losses. Not many losses. At no, all. I can't believe it. I mean, it's just astounding to me. They're the second best team in the NHL as of right now. And um, they're going to make a movie. They have to make a movie. Well, yeah. we've been talking about that a little bit, right? Well, they have to cast it out. I have a few ideas. Yeah. Well, I think that Jonathan Marsh is so, uh, could be played by maybe Sam Rockwell. I think there's a bit of a likeness there. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I could see that. Uh, what about William Carlson? He could be that uh, Tatum Channer? <laughs> <laughs> what? Tatum. I don't think anybody's real name is Tater. You mean uh, Channing Tatum? Yes. He would be a good William Carlson, no? I can He's see it not a little bit. A blonde. Yeah. Oh, He's not well, a Swedish man with off. long, flowing blonde locks. You I can pull it off. Okay. Um, what about Marc-Andre Fleury? It's got to be Keanu Reeves. Yes, that's what I was thinking, Keanu Reeves, he's right? He's a little old. Well, he's got some experience playing a goaltender, right? He was the goaltender in um, Youngblood. That's right, he was, yeah. Yeah, he would be excellent. What about Gerard Gallant, the coach? Oh, it's got to be um, uh, Meatloaf. <laughs> he does look a little like Meatloaf. It's too bad because he used to look like Tom Selleck back in the day. Yeah. Well, listen, Leroy, we're really sorry about Vegas. We, you know, who could have predicted that? As far as the Hawks, gee, sorry about that one as well. Um, I don't think that's going to work out too well right now. They're sitting last in the Central Division right now. It's an ultra-competitive division, but yeah, I don't, I don't see them pulling it out. They just don't have the depth anymore, unfortunately. And with Crawford out, perhaps for the rest of the season, uh, things are not looking so good there. All right, so what do we have next? Email, tweet? Uh, we got something a little different this time. We got a voicemail. A voicemail. Yeah. yeah. This is from an old friend. Um, he's a former resident of Taiwan and a big hockey fan. So uh, he's got a question for you. All Come right. Let, let's uh, let's hear it. Boys, Chad Kelly, Whitewood, Saskatchewan, Canada calling. A couple questions for you guys. First off, uh, what about those Winnipeg Jets? I mean, you know, everyone talks about the Las Vegas Gold Knights and how much of a fantasy team they've been. Uh, you know, the Jets here, they weren't even predicted to make the playoffs at the start of the year, and now they're sitting right up at the top of the conference and right at the top of the league. Uh, what's your guys' thoughts on them and where they're going to finish things off this year? Uh, need some predictions from you. Also, second question is, uh, Jeff Rollman, why the hell can't that guy grow any facial hair? Chad, that was excellent. Thank you so much for the question. Yeah, so Kamish, what's up with the facial hair there? I don't think that Rod would be so proud of what you're not sporting. Rod would not be impressed. I've never really been able to put together a decent stash. Well, neither have I, but uh, I recall seeing a pretty hairy back going on over there. Maybe you could just do a little selective pruning, get a little glue, get creative. I'm sure you can make something work. Yeah, maybe I need some Rogaine for the face. 
Yeah, but yeah, you definitely have to leave the back hair in place. I'd say that the ladies love that, don't they? Yeah, it's pretty, pretty sacred. The right kind of lady, maybe. Yeah. Uh, as far as the Jets are concerned, I, Chad, I know you're very excited about your team there. They're doing great. And uh, yeah, they have surprised a lot of people this year. Well, I remember John talking about wanting to get Maurice out of there at the start of the year and being pretty skeptical about their outlook. So how are you feeling now, big boy? Well, you know, I thought that the Jets had the talent, but they just, over previous seasons, they just didn't have the defensive game. But they've really turned it around this year, and yeah, they surprised me. So I got to eat some humble pie on that one. Paul Maurice has been good, and the Jets have been great. Yeah, and being a Jets fan, I'm sure you're not uh, too disappointed. Yeah, Chad, I hear you, man. This is exciting times, buddy. Anything else in the old mailbag? Yeah, we got an email here. This is from Cam Arrow uh, from T-Bay, Florida. And uh, Cam writes, I'm stoked about the All-Star game being in T-Bay this year. What's your favorite All-Star game memory? Hmm. Boy, Cam, well, thanks a lot for the question. I just can't share your enthusiasm over the All-Star game. I can't even think of one All-Star memory. I did like it when I was a kid, you know, when it was camels versus whales. But uh, my All-Star memories are few and far between. Yeah, I mean, I do like the skills competition. Some of those events are pretty fun. The hardest shot, fastest skater... Uh, the shooting targets, accuracy contests, those are pretty good. But the game itself is always kind of a letdown. You know, you can tell they're not really going full tilt and just trying to avoid getting hurt, really. Yeah, I, I think that hockey isn't really the kind of game that lends itself to something like an all-star game. I mean, with basketball, it's a lot better, right? It's kind of a glitzy game with lots of skills. Uh, but these physical games like like football and, and hockey don't really work because, you know, it's not they're not really out there playing hockey. Yeah, well, at least it's not as bad as the NFL's Pro Bowl. That's got to be the worst one of all. But NHL is not that far behind. They should maybe just find another way to spend the weekend. Yeah, it's difficult. You know, I know that they usually do their fan fest, and they usually have lots of um, games and stuff like that that the fans can participate in, which can be kind of fun. Uh, but that's not really the game itself. Yeah, I think they should just scrap the whole thing, to be honest. Yeah. Why, don't, why don't they and, just have a picnic? Yeah, picnic. Picnic. Yeah, have a picnic for players. They can have the... You know, the three-legged race. Or pin the tail on the donkey. Pin the tail on the donkey. Yeah. They could, uh, twister. Some twister would be great. That might be fun. I could see some of the guys actually getting competitive still. That's the thing, right? It'd be more competitive than the game probably is. Yeah. it's uh, The thing is a joke. I think it's garbage. <laughs> Maybe Brad Marchand might throw an elbow. <laughs> yeah, he'd do anything to win. Yeah, it seems like we are not alone in our lack of enthusiasm for this All-Star game as well. Um, Jonathan Quick, he just opted out, and the NHL suspended him for a game because of that. I think that's a little over the top. And this is a problem now because you have this All-Star game and some of the consequences now leaking into the real season. Time to make a change, I think. Sidney Crosby has been selected for multiple All-Star teams, and he's only actually participated in a few of them. Yeah, this is your torchbearer for the league, kind of not so subtly saying, hey guys... The All-Star game, eh, not so much. Yeah, yeah. so sorry, Cam. Uh, I don't think we're as enthusiastic about the All-Star game as you are, but uh, I hope you have a good time. All right, Mark, you got one more for us? I've got a tweet here from Captain Crunch. Mm. Probably not the Captain Crunch. I think he died in 1967. Uh, he asks, best post-cereal milk. Which one and why? I don't know if this is a hockey question. Um, it's a bit of a stretch. Okay, very much of a stretch. Well, I'm going to try and tie it into hockey. Uh, I'm going to go with the old Pro Stars cereal. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I think a very average cereal. It was average, but I thought it was okay at the very end when you when you took down the milk. Yeah, I mean, the show was clearly better than the cereal. The show was <laughs> better than the cereal. 
Well, yeah, obviously. Why did they always have Wayne Gretzky eating in that show, though? I didn't, never understood that. Yeah, he wasn't a, a big eater. He certainly never looked like one anyways, right? Yeah. I think Canadians are known for their enjoyment of eating. No? Well, that's more of an American mm. thing, isn't it? I don't know. I don't get it. Yeah. Um, what about you guys? Well, it's pretty obvious for me. Yeah? Cocoa Pebbles. You get chocolate milk at the end of it. I mean, what more mm. can you ask for? Yeah, that was pretty tasty. I've heard some people argue Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Okay. Which is kind of tasty, but the problem is you choke on the milk because the cinnamon is kind of hard to get down the old gullet. So I don't know about that one. <laughs> okay. And John, what about you? Um, to be honest, I was never much of a cereal guy. Um, but when I did enjoy cereal, it was probably something like shredded wheat. <laughs> shredded wheat? What are you, 97 years old? <laughs> no, I just found it's really dry, right? Really hard to get down, mm. right? And so you need the milk at the end of it. You okay. need the, so the milk, you know, it's necessary, it's totally necessary to the experience. If you didn't have it, you'd be sitting there with a pasty mouth. You'd choke. Well, you'd, yeah, you'd have stuff caught in your throat kind of for the rest of the day. So yeah, I, I would say that that's the best post-cereal milk because of um, its soothing quality. I think we've milked that segment for all it's worth. Agreed. I think we're about done here. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll see you for the Stretch Run Report. I hope you had yourselves a time. Well, I, I, I hope you had yourselves a time. Hope you had yourselves a time. Hope, hope you had time, 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 cells of time. You had, hope, hope you had yourselves a time. Well, I hope you had, hope, cells of time. Hope, time, time. Hope you had, hope you had, hope you had the time, time. Hope you had, you had cells of time. Hope you had, you had, tells of time, hope, time, hope, hope, time, hope, time, hope you had.